Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 2. I'm actually going to start at verse 1 because I can't resist uh, reading about Elijah's introduction to King Ahab. And we've been talking about change, change or croak. How many of you know that's true? We need to change, don't we? Uh, We need to be open to change. And I want to close out that series today by talking about the signs of change. The signs of change. And I believe God has a word in season for many of you. This is going to be a direct word for some of you. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there won't be dew nor rain these years except at my word. i got to tell you, he's either crazy or he's got a word from God. Because you don't go up to a king and say, guess what, dude? It ain't raining till I say so. Amen? Now, look at verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here, and turn eastward, and hide by the brook Kareth, which follows into the Jordan, or flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Can you imagine that? So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. And look what happened in verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Now I want you to know that's living by faith. (laughs) And it happened, verse 7, after a while, that the brook dried up. Now there's my key verse. I want you to underline that if you've got a pen. It happened after a while that the brook dried dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. Father, thank you for your word today and thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in speaking directly to our hearts and giving us a now word. And we thank you for that anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better perk up and listen. You're going to need this today. And I'm going to ask that you check your cell phones to be sure they're not on. And I'm also going to ask there be as little movement as possible. Uh, I know sometimes we've got to get up and I fully understand that. But um, Unless you really do need to, just please keep the wandering to a minimum. We have wooden floors in here, and it's just uh, people are really listening. And I have noticed sometimes our teenagers get the wanderings and want to get up. So parents, keep them down. Amen? Amen. Smile at me. All right. We've been talking about change, and I tell you, the more I minister on this, the more that I know that it's true. And I think this is a now word for our church but also it's a now word for many of you individually. The signs of change. Elijah is one of my favorite Old Testament characters. He comes out of nowhere, walks up to the most wicked king or one of the most wicked kings in the history of Israel and says to him, guess what? It's not going to rain until I say so. 
and just walked away unannounced and walks away now that's guts that's intestinal fortitude that's spiritual courage now a little bit of um, context here God's about to judge the worship of Baal in Israel he's about to bring the worship of Baal to a close they have fallen they've backslidden they have been corrupted by Queen Jezebel primarily who led them in the worship of a false idol. God will let you worship a false idol so long, and then he will bring that thing down. It will rot in your teeth. And Baal is about to be brought down. How's God going to do it? A crippling three-and-a-half-year drought is on the way that will rock that nation. I want you to think about a a three-and-a-half-year drought. When we go six months without any moisture, it's a big deal. I've wanted for a long time to ask a meteorologist what it would do to a place to have no moisture at all, no rain, no dew, nothing for 42 months. It brought Israel to its knees. Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel are about to be judged by God for their part in it. A great shaking is fast approaching changes in the air. And I can almost say that about America today. You can know that there is a shaking coming to America. And that's why I'm sharing what I'm sharing and preaching what I'm preaching. And that's why I'm ministering to you that the Word of God, the Bible, is the Word of God. And it can be trusted. Because we're going to need to be trusting it and leaning on it more than we've ever known, some of us. And there was a great shaking coming to Israel because of their sin. And as we've said the last few times now, the reality of change is the one thing that doesn't change. Change is always going to be changing or coming. Change is unchangeable. God never changes. The book of James tells us about the nature and character of God, that he never changes. He doesn't have a shadow of change in him. But our God brings change. He changes you and me. How many of you can say, God has changed me? I mean, really, when you came to Jesus Christ, it was like sticking your finger in a socket. He changed you. Come on, everybody. Am I talking to people in here who who know the Lord? Uh, You can't get close to God, but what God changes you. And God changes circumstances. The hand of his providence moves out and changes circumstances according to his will. His story is his story. Times change. Events change. People change. Fads change. What's in today will be out next week. I've seen so many fads come and go in America because there's always change. What's popular today will be out tomorrow. Jobs change. Nations change. Opportunities change. We live in a world of change. And God changes things in our life. God God is God And because he's God, he has every right to bring change to us. And he has every right to require change. Amen? God is a God of change. Now, this is why the Bible says to everything there is a season. There is something, there is a season to everything. Our life is comprised of changes as we pass through differing seasons. The season you're in today is not the season you were in last year at this time. Because your life is moving in seasons. And God gave us the climate to show us this. 
winter. We're about to head there. Then there will be spring, then summer, then fall. Life, nature is made of seasons. And God has made our lives to pass through seasons, winters, and springs, and summers, and falls. Now, since life is comprised of ongoing change, it behooves us as Christians to learn to flex and flow and learn to adapt to change. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall be blessed. Now, since life is comprised of change, you can expect that when it comes, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when God changes things in your life, when He alters things, when He leads you into a change. Because God is all about, though He doesn't change, He grows us up spiritually by change. Somebody wisely said, misery is a yesterday person trying to follow a tomorrow God. Misery is a yesterday person, somebody who just loves to hang on to whatever is back there. Misery is a yesterday person trying to follow a tomorrow God. God took care of your past at the cross and through the blood. And now here's what God says about you. He says, I know the thoughts I'm thinking about you. I'm mulling you over in my mind. I got your name. I got your number. I got your address. You are on my mind. And here's what I'm thinking about you. To give you a future and to give you a hope. I'm thinking of good and not of evil. I want to bless you. I want to guide you. I want to anoint you. I want to better your life. I want to direct you. I want to use your life for my glory. I've got a plan and a purpose for you. You're not by mistake. You are not some result of an evolutionary process. You were designed by God in your mama's womb. He put together your chromosomal genetic makeup. He knew what you'd look like, what you'd sound like, what your personality would be, what your character would be. And he says, I've custom designed you for a purpose uniquely for you. Do you believe that? I want to tell the whole world that because we've got an entire generation that has sunk into the depths of nihilism. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. There's no reason. So what the heck? I'll throw my life away, and I don't care about yours either. But when you realize you are a custom-designed child of the living God that he put together piece by piece and to present you to the world filled with his glory, and you've got a divine purpose on this planet, it changes the way you view you, and it changes the way you view others. So God has made you, and God wants to use your life. And that means change. The late astronaut James Irwin said this, You might think going to the moon was the most scientific, calculated project ever, but they literally threw us in the direction of the moon. We had to adjust our course every 10 minutes and landed barely 50 feet inside the 500-mile radius of our target. Can you imagine being in a steel capsule 
and somebody hurling you towards the moon? Pray hard. <laughs> Lots of luck. We'll be at the station. And there you go. And every 10 minutes, you got to adjust. Another 10 minutes, you got to adjust again. And with adjustments every 10 minutes, they barely made it 50 feet. Within the 500-mile-wide target they had. And that's what it's like following God. God's got a target for your life. A bullseye for your life. And when you get born again, he begins to carry you towards that target. But guess what you got to do? you got to adjust and change and flex and flow and change and adjust and change and flex and flow. you got to keep your ear to the track. you got to stay in prayer because what we're about to see with Elijah is also true of you. What God was telling you to do last year may not be what he's saying to you this year. He changes things. He has words of direction. He wants to guide us. And I have learned. I've been in this thing since I was 18 years old. I've been following God for 36 years. I'm 54 if you're trying to do the math. And i got to tell you, how many times have I had to change and flex and flow to, to keep myself on track for that target? And sometimes I do have barely made it 50 feet within. But I'm glad to say that if you're sincere in following God, He will see to it that you arrive where you're supposed to be. Amen. Now, one of the things that made Elijah so useful to God was his ability to change and flex with what God was doing. He could change and flex with what God was doing. And that made him very valuable. Now, I want you to listen to some of the changes that Elijah experienced. He changed from the mighty prophet of fire, the mighty man of miracles, to a secluded servant living quietly for around a year and a half at the brook Kareth at the direction of God. One day he's in the public eye. Everybody knows who he is. He's the one that told the very king of Israel, it's not going to rain till I say so. Next thing you know, he's off at a creek under a tree, fed by ravens. Nobody knows where he is. There is a nationwide manhunt for him and they can't find him. Change. Then he changed from secluded servant to prophetic provider for the widow at Zarephath and her son for more than two years. There he is at the brook Kareth, and God says, I want you to go to Zarephath. And change came. Instead of being alone and ravens feeding him, now he's in a house, a widow and her son. And they're being sustained miraculously by the presence of the prophet of God. Change. But God wasn't done yet. Then he changed again. And he stepped back into the public eye as the prophet of fire and miracles and brought the whole nation of Israel to its knees. Calling fire out of heaven to devour the sacrifice. Slaying 500 prophets of Baal. From seclusion to major public eye. But then he changed once again. Change, change, change. He went from public prophet and the prophet of fire to the personal mentor of his future replacement, Elisha. Change, flex, flow, adapt. These were Elijah's middle name. 
He could flow with God. You know why? Because he was staying in touch with God. He didn't assume that because God did it this way three years ago, he's going to do it that way now. Now, as a Christian walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, change generally comes for one of four reasons. I'm going to tell you why it comes real quickly. You do something to cause it. You do something that brings change into your life. Maybe good, maybe bad, but it brings change. Two, others do something that impacts and changes your life. How many of you have realized you can't control what others do? And so because others do what they do, it changes your life. Third, it comes as a part of the normal life process. You're, you're going through seasons. and You're just changing the way God intended for your life to change. It's just natural. Now the leaves are falling off of all the trees. That's just natural change due to a season. Fourth, God directly, God directly leads you into change. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And you know what God never has to say? Excuse me or will you? Because if he's Lord, that means he's boss man. Now, we love, he is Lord, we sing he is Lord until you tell me to do something I don't want to do. He is Lord. (laughs) We sing it with all of our heart until he goes to try to get us out of our lazy boy or to mess with our comfort zone. Then well, we don't know if he's Lord or not. Well, he's always Savior. We got our fire insurance. But Lord means he can come knocking and say, I want you to change. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And you know what we do? We say, yes, sir, if he's Lord. And I'm telling you by the authority of this word that I told you is the word of God. You show me somebody that says they're a Christian, I'll tell you how deep their Christianity runs by how much they will yield to the authority of this word. In Elijah's case, God brought change as a result of his judgment on Israel. So in Elijah's case, God was bringing in the change. Now, having said all this, how can you as a Christian know that God is bringing a change, that God is bringing a change? Now, I'm going to tell you one way you can know. It's not exhaustive, but I'm going to tell you one way that God signals to us that a change is coming. And in telling you about this, I'm going to balance it out with the typical wise check and balance system necessary for all supernatural guidance. But I want to tell you one way that God signals that a change is coming. The Bible says of Elijah, and it happened after a while, it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Now, wait a minute. God led me to this brook. Wait a minute. He told me to come here. I'm here at this brook in the will of God. What's this thing doing drying up on me? God led me here. One way that God often signals that change is approaching is that your brook dries up. Now, let me tell you what the brook meant to Elijah so you can better understand your brooks. What was the brook to Elijah? The brook was his place of provision. The Bible says that twice a day, God provided bread and meat through the appearance of a raven, one of the least attractive of birds. So unattractive, Edgar Allan Poe called his dark poem, The Raven. That dark, but he, God provided from the most unlikely source. 
Here he is at the brook Careth by the word of God. God said, you go there and I'm going to feed you with a raven twice a day. So morning and evening, here he is and here comes this raven. In one claw is bread and in the other claw is meat. And the bird drops it at his feet and flies away. Now you say to me, Pastor Jeff, do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. He made you, didn't he? He brought something out of nothing, didn't he? If he could say, let there be a raven in the first place, he can tell that bird to fly to me. Here he was with divine room service for a year. Can you imagine? Where is that raven? I'm hungry. Come on, God. It's high noon. And here he would come. Oosh, drop it and fly on for a year. That's amazing. Divine room service, but the brook was also his only source of water. You can live without a lot of things, but you can't live without water. He had to have water, and his only source was this brook. Now, he's starting to get attached to this brook. This brook is free. It beats staying in the Holiday Inn. Here I am at a brook. I get food every day. I got water. I mean, I'm being serviced by divine room service, dropping me my food every day. I like this brook, and the seclusion of the brook protected him from Ahab. But look what happened. Here he is, under the guidance of God, and one day he wakes up, and that familiar gurgling sound, that familiar bubbling sound, that familiar roar of the brook going by, suddenly there is silence. He doesn't even catch it at first. He wakes up and says, something is different. What is it? He goes down to the brook, and it says, the brook had dried up. The brook had dried up. His place of provision had dried up. Have you ever had that happen to you? God sent him there, but now it's dry. What is this? God sent me here, but now it's dry. I don't understand. Because this brook was my provision. The very place of daily miracles, flowing water, and safety suddenly changed. And this does and can happen with you and me as believers. Uh, you know, and I'm going to talk to people that I believe walk with God, have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And I'm just going to share with you that I've had this happen to me. And so I'm going to take this physical picture and just pull it over into a spiritual reality. Here's a spiritual reality. You can have a spiritual brook. You, you can, or even a physical job. And you know that God gave you that job. Here's your provision. That's where you're getting your check or a church, or a, some, some source, some place where God is, and God is meeting your need, and God is visiting you, and God's hand is on it, and God led you there. But you can't put your finger on it, but one day you wake up, and something has changed. Something has shifted. Things may look the same, but the sense of the flow of grace to be in a particular situation has changed and lifted. Am I talking to anybody today? Things may look the same. The people may be the same. The surroundings may be the same. But something in you has begun to change. You don't feel connected anymore. You feel like you're on the outside looking in and you can't put your finger on it. And it starts bugging you. It starts to get, Lord, what is wrong? Why don't I feel? Why has this brook dried up? I can remember that Kathy and I, when we took our first church there in East Texas, built our first church. We really were in Mayberry, RFD. There really was a Barney Fife. Are you anything? I'm kidding. This, this town was a total population of 1,600. 
Uh, you blink and you're past it. The only thing in it was a courthouse. There was no mall. We, we had a dairy queen. That's it. I've told you about this place. And when we first went there, the brook was flowing. Man, even though it was weird, and even though we never lived in a small town like this, the brook was flowing. The church began to grow. We began to see the blessing of God. Our needs were being met, and the people's needs were being met. And there was a blessing, and there was a flowing brook. You know, I believe where God is and where God's will is, there is a flowing brook. There is a river where uh, where, uh, the streams will make glad the city of God. There is a river. You'll find that when you're in the will of God, there is a flow. There is a brook. There is nourishment. There is water. There is blessing. There is presence. There is a reason. God confirms to you that you're to be there. But when that brook dries up, that's what happened to me there in East Texas. After a while, I started, after seven years actually, I began to stand up and I'd go down to preach and I'd be driving to the church and something would be missing. Something would be gone. It's like inside of me, something was beginning to dry up. I wasn't getting the same witness, the same flow, the same sense of God being there with me in that thing. And I couldn't figure it out. It took me for a year, a year to to finally touch God about it. And I said, Lord, what are you saying? And he said, my blessing is still there. The people haven't changed. The circumstances haven't changed. But I'm leading you in another direction. And that's why the brook has dried up. And so I told Kathy, and it took us both about a year because we lived on four acres. We had a home, beautiful home, real simple little school, not much of a drug problem. We were in a beautiful situation. There was no reason I should feel this way. But I've come to understand that you and I as Christians are spiritual beings. And we are not subject to just what is happening around us. Everything out here can look fine. But inside, God can be doing something very different with you. Now, in the case of the brook, it can mean a lot of things. It can be your job. Or it can be a relationship that has begun to go a different direction, a friendship. And I, and I want to footnote it with this. I am not talking about marriage. Y'all smile at me. I can hear some of you saying, all right, what a word. I feel change coming. Hallelujah. Confirmation. I don't want you to run out and grab this CD and say, Pastor Jeff confirmed what I was already feeling. So I want to say I'm not talking about marriage. That's a whole different ball of wax, and we'll deal with that another day. Oh, don't leave yet. No, no, I'm just kidding. So when I say a relationship, I mean friendship. There's lots of different kinds of relationships that can all of a sudden begin to change. Spiritual nourishment that you've been getting from some source. All of a sudden, everything looks the same, seems the same, but something is different in you. The brook has dried up. Before God brings change, there's often a sense of lifted grace. Not in the sense of keeping you from sin, but I mean a sense of the the grace and the flow of the brook of being in the will of God. It is changing. It's altering. It's going another direction. A rustling of the nest begins to take place. You're restless and you don't know why. You can't put your finger on it. It's maybe God nudging you out of the nest to follow another direction. And I believe God does this. He, he, he brings this sense of the, the lifted grace, the sense of the brook being dried up. He does it so that we will fall on our face and seek him and say, Lord, what in the world are you saying to me? Something is not right or something is changing. Now, the way that you respond to the brook drying up 
is very, very important. I've been around long enough to see lots of different kinds of people respond in many different ways. Let me give you an example. A good denominationalist, somebody who likes denominations, and we got every denomination in the world in here. We've got everything. I don't think we got any Mormons, but we might. But we've got every Protestant and Catholic denomination. They're all in here. But if you're a good denominationalist, here's what you say when the brook dries up. You say, well, let's build a denomination where the brook once flowed. Now, history tells us that's exactly what people do. You remember Simon Peter when they were at the Mount of Transfiguration? And Jesus is suddenly glowing with a white cloud of glory. And next to him is Moses and Elijah. And Peter, not knowing what to say, said. And what did he say? Lord, uh, let's build. Let's build a tabernacle for Elijah. One for Moses and one for you. In other words, let's build on this move of God. And that's exactly what the Methodists did. They built their denomination on the Great Awakening with John and Charles Wesley. That was a mighty brook. It flowed from England. It flowed into America. It shook the world. And so out of that came the denomination we call Methodists. And if you're a Pentecostal, grab your halo and pull it back down because you did the same thing when God moved on Azusa Street in the 1920s. And there was a mighty flow of a powerful brook. It is out of there that came the Pentecostal holiness churches and what we know as Pentecostalism because God moved. So we saw this move and the brook was flowing and we said, well, praise God. Even whether or not it dries up, I'm going to build a denomination right here where the brook once flowed. And the Baptists, don't look so holy at me. You did the same thing. You built a denomination where the Puritan separatist movement of the early 1600s, a group of Christians decided that the Church of England was not walking in the purity of the Word of God, so they separated to walk in the purity of the Scriptures, so we call them Puritans or separatists, and they built the Baptist denomination on that brook that once flowed. So a denominationalist would have built the first united church at Kareth when they saw that dried up brook. But now let's go from denominationalists to charismatics. What does a good charismatic do when the brook dries up? I'll guarantee you this is what they do. They stand in the middle of the dried up creek bed. They conjure all the authority that they can muster and they cry out, in the name of Jesus, flow. And they stand there and they talk to it and yell at it and scream at it and bind it and loose it until they're blue in the face. And I'll tell you what a good faith man or a faith woman do. The faith movement. A good faith movement person has another response. They look at it and they say, it's not dry. That brook is not dry. I'm not going to confess it. I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to claim it. I don't receive this negative report. It's flowing. It's gurgling. It's bubbling. And they deny reality. But what did Elijah do? He inquired of the Lord. Elijah inquired of the Lord. This is so important, everybody. I want you to say with me, God can talk to me. Now, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so the best thing that you can do, the only solution when your brook has dried up, when you've got a question about your life, where you're supposed to go, why it seems like things are dry like they are. 
The best thing you can do is inquire of the Lord. He's listening and he's still talking and he wants to talk to you. The Bible says Elijah inquired of the Lord. He saw that dry creek bed and he inquired of the Lord because he believed God was in charge of the brooks of his life. And he said, look at this brook. It's dried up. He told me to come here. He told me to stay here. Now it can't take it. What is God saying to me? He looked above the natural to the supernatural and said, God, you're in charge of the brooks of my life. And so this has dried up. What are you saying to me? And God spoke to him and said, go to Zarephath. So here is the hinge that the door of change swings on. Never make a major change apart from the clear, confirmed word of the Lord based on the authority of Scripture. Never make a major change just because a brook has dried up until you've inquired of the Lord. He wants to talk to you about it. He gave you that brook in the first place. And if it's dried up now, he knows about it and he wants to talk to you about it. It could very well be God's signal of approaching change. And he's letting you know. But it could also be that you're burned out. It could also be that you're tired. It could also be a spiritual attack. You don't know why it's dried up until you inquire of the Lord. Amen. Always bring your dried up brooks to God and wait for his word on it. Listen to what James said in James 1.5. This is the Living Bible. He said, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. And he will gladly tell you. Well, Pastor Jeff, I can't hear God. You think God can get through to you? Even you, you think God can get through to you? He can talk to you? He can get your attention. And God can speak to you. I want you to say with me, as one of his sheep, I hear his voice. And God will guide you. Isn't that good news? When Kathy and I finally heard the Lord in East Texas, and the Lord said, Jeff, the reason the brook has dried up inside of you, I've called you to go to the city. And we left. We loved those people. Wept on their shoulders. They wept on our shoulders. But it was a God thing. That church is doing great today. I'm going to speak there in a few months. 25th, and I'm bringing him here or over there, Garden Acres, and he's going to preach for us. We have a great relationship. God's done a good thing, and that church is going along fine. So it was a God thing. Now, I want you to notice one last thing before we close. The brook drying up, followed by a clear word from God, brought change that saved lives. Now, catch this, church. God said to Elijah, arise and go to Zarephath. What was in Zarephath? Waiting at Zarephath was a widow and her little boy. They had one meal left. One meal left. And they had already decided they're going to eat it and they're going to die. I would wager, knowing human nature, the mother had already prayed, Lord, don't let me die before him. We're going to die. This is it. It's curtains. When Elijah walked up on this situation, it was bleak. There was no hope. It was dark. It looked like the end. These two people, particularly the mother, had already given up on life and was ready to die. Little did she know that God was dealing with somebody she did not know. God was dealing with somebody she could not see and was bringing change to them. And that change was designed to change and save their lives. 
God brings change to Christians not only for your spiritual growth, but with others in mind. See, somebody's waiting on the other side of your willingness to change. Here's God comes to Elijah. He says, I let the brook dry up, and here's a reason. I'm sending you somewhere else, son, because there's a widow and her son, and they're going to die. And if you will change and flex with me, lives are going to be saved. I'm going to change them. I'm going to support you miraculously for two and a half years in her house because you obey me. The crews of meal and of oil are not going to run out for two and a half years. I'm going to multiply it supernaturally because you obeyed me and you flexed and changed with me. So he, he did it. He left the brook. He left it. He didn't try to build something on it. He didn't try to hang around and be stubborn. He left it. And he moved down the road and he fed this woman and her son when they gave to him their last meal. They sowed their last meal to this man. And then their lives were saved. And miracles hovered over that house for two years. And God saved lives. Why has God come to this church and uprooted us and didn't let us stay here, but is moving us down over there, over yonder? You know what God sees? He sees multitudes of faces we cannot see. And they haven't yet seen us. They don't know who we are, but they will know who we are. They've never seen us or heard about us, but they will. And they will come walking into that building or one of you will go out there in that culture and meet them. And they will be led to Jesus. Christ and their life will be saved because we flexed and flowed and changed with God. Can you stand up with me today? This widow was waiting on the other side of Elijah's willingness to change. Now let me sum up. Your brook drying up can signal approaching change. It can. Prayer and the authority of Scripture will bring clarity to what it is. Everything that happens to us may not be God's will, but He has a will in everything that happens. Did you catch that? What people do to you And what life does to you may not be in God's perfect will. But whatever happens to you, God has a will in it. And God brings change not only for our growth, but so that lives can be saved. Here's this brother. He goes down to the juvenile home, Frank. 31 young people give their lives to Christ. And we shouldn't marginalize that. Say, well, they're in jail. They had a jailhouse conversion. I had a jailhouse conversion. I don't look like I was in jail, but I was, 16 years old, and God altered my life completely because somebody was willing to come in there and share. What happened to me was not God's will, but God had a will for what happened to me. Amen? I'm so glad he went. He'll go again and take some of you with him. You're going to do great things for God. You, even you, you. Amen? Father, we thank you for the power of change, and we pray, bless this congregation to change, flex, flow like Elijah did, 
so that, Lord, we can touch people, save lives, see your miracle provision in the place of change. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, Steve, is just going to play for a moment. I want you to take a moment and say, if there's anywhere, Lord, I need to change, show me. And I'll flex and flow and change. I want to walk in the glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many of you can say with your heads bowed, I know that God has brought and is bringing now change into my life, inside of me or outside of me, but change. Raise your hand real high where I can see you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Well, if you needed this word today, will you give the Lord a hand of praise? Praise God. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to ask the care leaders who are here. Most of them were in the early service. But if you're a care leader, slip down.